Hi, welcome to That Reminds Me Of, a podcast about film and the films that remind us of that film. You're here with Baron and the Doc. And the Maestro. Do we need another drink? Yes, we do. Yeah. How are you, Baron? Oh, Kim Logan. Doc, I'm good. <laughs> Took me by surprise. I don't quite get used to the fact that we don't have to introduce this show anymore and we've got that little intro just yeah. sorted. Yeah. I mean, after editing it last time, it was quite. It was kind of nice, so I'm happy. Remember happy the days you. of welcome to the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm over And we them. didn't know if we should look into the camera like this or if we should look at each other or if we should look at the other camera. Uh, Maestro's on the uh, tools again today. How you doing, Maestro? Hello. <laughs> now we can just gaze into each other's eyes and have a really That's relaxed right. conversation. Absolutely. Speaking of which, the yeah. tragedy of Macbeth. Yes, that is what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, I'm not sure it can be a relaxed conversation when you're talking about the Scottish play because it's pretty dramatic. It's pretty bloody. Yeah. And full on. I love Macbeth though. Are you are you familiar with with Macbeth the play? Well, I was in high school once and did English <laughs> lit and had to read Macbeth. And uh, I've seen. A, I'm trying to remember which Macbeth I've seen. I'm sure I've seen one. Anyway, as in film versions. Film version. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, but aside from that, um, and kind of just knowing the story, roughly, not particularly a thing that I know a lot about. What about you? I'm sure you know a lot about it, or you? No, not heaps, but yeah. I, I do love it. I th- I, I'm a Shakespeare fan. Yeah, I love Macbeth. It's one of the better ones. It's interesting what what you said about you're not sure which bloody film you've seen. Yeah, because it's quite ridiculous how many versions of it there's been. Like obviously a billion stage versions, but mm-hmm. film versions too. Um, and we can talk about some of them, but. Like it just never never ends. Like you think Batman or Spider Man are ridiculous <laughs> as far as going back to the origin stories. This one just is the gift that keeps on giving. That's a great call because how how much hate is there for the just sheer number of reboots for like Batman and Spider Man alone, right? And but yeah, like you say, Shakespeare, any Shakespeare, mm. it's been rebooted about a bazillion times. Yep, and we don't we don't tire of it. Yeah. Well, we don't when when they're decent, and well, let's get to that. Mm-hmm. Was this a decent reboot of Macbeth? Look, I can't really fault it in terms of like turning Shakespeare into a film and what that exercise is. Mm. Um, whether or not that you want to look at it as like, is this a film that you're going to love and rave about, or is this a great re- like a great adaptation of Shakespeare? I think they're sort of two different things. Yeah, they are. Right? Yeah. And how are you approaching it? Do you go in looking at it as a film in its own right and, you know, comparing it to all the other films that are out now or are you thinking that's the play and how have they really adapted this play? So first time around, first viewing. Two viewings. Two viewings. Crikey. First viewing, I certainly looked at it like how have they adapted this yep. Shakespeare play that is so famous Um it's Joel Cohen as well, which is already interesting. So what's this guy done with it? Mm. Second viewing, uh, I think I cared less about all of that and I was just like, is this a film that I'm enjoying right now? Wow. You know? Okay. Well, I want to I wanna hear the answer to that. Is it a film that I'm enjoying right now? <laughs> yeah. But firstly, how have you been? Like we forgot the Yeah. This is the confusion of not having the intro anymore is now we just sort of start. Yeah, but I'm still very interested in yeah. how your life is. I want to hear about the film, but 
like what's happening? Anything? Well, I've been storyboarding all week. Ah, that's that been old my chestnut activity out. You know, that's my film activity mm. this week, and uh, it's painful. And also because when it comes to storyboarding, there are ways to do it. Mm. You can just, and a lot of people will just say stick figures is all it needs to be. <laughs> and I agree with that in principle. Yeah. Jodorowsky probably doesn't agree. Exactly. And I'm sort of in Jodorowsky's camp where mm. if I start just drawing stick figures, I am deeply unsatisfied with the whole process. Like it, it that, that's not going to stand, <laughs> you know, it might stand for like two frames. And then after that, I'm slowly getting more and more detailed to the point where I'm just now doing manga and like painstakingly <laughs> spending hours on one frame instead of just shooting through it like I should be. So anyway. I reckon that'll pay off though. Cause like, you know, you're, you're looking at a scene or yeah. not a scene, a shot and really composing it in your mind. Yeah. And doing all these details that will pay off when it comes to directing. Sure. Uh, surely. Sure, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. It better, <laughs> better. Um, but also I'm going to show it to people and that's the problem is yeah. like, if I know I'm going to show it to other people. Yep. Yeah, it just has to, I have to do my best with it. Has to sing. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What about you, Doc? What have you been up to? Well, let me, let me just give my, what I've been reading. Yeah. You know, that old one. Uh, And recently I've been reading, this is topical, Shakespeare's sonnets. Where's the camera? Over there. (laughs) Shakespeare's sonnets. Uh, So I'm going slowly through it and just reading one every, you know, week or two. But they're beautiful. I love them, and uh, and so that's that's one. And note the Arden Shakespeare is the is the publisher, which is the same as Macbeth. Oh, uh, so I'm a bit addicted to this this publisher. But there's also this bloody book, Helen Vendler, who every time I read a read a sonnet, I'll read Helen's little like take know, on it. Take on it. Ooh, that's great. And. It's and she's a, good. It's a, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, she does. She actually puts some. Um, I won't get too deep into this. It's it's off topic, but <laughs> every. <laughs> can you tell what gives me thrills? Yeah, yeah, um, totally. I love it. You know, that's the first sonnet, for example, and you've got all the old, you know, Shakespearean version there, and then the wow. the current version there. So you get to see, and then there's a few pages of like talking about it. So it's really, really. That's great. Um, the gives old, you a good appreciation. The old version and then the the sort of translation. Yeah. I I think that's relevant to this film in some respects. Uh, and the levels of translation that take you from Shakespeare through to what we do today is mm. interesting to me. So something we can talk about when we well, get into it. Well, let's let's get into it yeah. because um that's what we're here for. So we deviated when I asked you. You you're appreciating it the second time round. Yes. As a film. Yeah. What did you think of it as a film? So I came to the conclusion that it's a beautiful piece of art mm. that I don't enjoy watching very much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's not to say anything about the filmmakers or the actors or anything about it. Mm. I started thinking afterwards, like, why, why is that? And I think it's just that there's too much that I have to think about in that film. Mm. I need a little bit of relaxation time when I'm watching a film. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a lot, but when you go from black and white, yeah. four by three, like heavy hitters like Denzel, speech after speech after speech, 
you know, the cinematography, the 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 then and then the language as well that yeah. you have to sort of un- it's an assault. Work. It's it's like oh, full on. You yeah, know? the whole thing. It's it so is. damn artsy. That's what it is. It's true. Well, Shakespeare is artsy, so you're gonna have <laughs> yeah. to get used to that. It's true, <laughs> and I don't have a problem with that. I love artsy films. Yeah, but it's just the stacking of art. <laughs> the stacking. That's <laughs> so beautifully said. <laughs> it is the stacking. I'm gonna now turn around and say lots of positive things about this film, but. I'd love to know your overall thoughts as well. My overall thoughts are, are really positive. Uh, that's not to say I can't pick some holes in it because mm-hmm. um, there are. What I liked was um, just how play-like it was yeah, and how stylized it was. And I, I mainly compare it to the, I call it the Fassbender version, but who's the director? Um, <laughs> Justin Kurzel, mm-hmm. uh, who who directed... Five minutes ago, another version of Macbeth. Uh, have you seen that one? No. Okay. That's That one is really different and awesome in a different way. Yeah, right. So it's kind of As visceral. It's different from his previous work? Is that what you're saying? Or no, you're saying the one that was done recently is different from this Macbeth. Correct. Gotcha. Sorry. Yeah. So these th- that was done, again, five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, and stars Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard as... Lady Macbeth, mm-hmm. and it's a ripper, and but it's really bloody and action packed and great. Sounds sort awesome. of flesh, <laughs> fleshy and human, and yeah. Uh, and then you compare it with this one, which mm. is stylized, uh, kind of cold, very cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fassbender is Macbeth, as far as I'm concerned. Right. After watching that, okay. Um, and Denzel is sort of like a. What did you think of his performance? I, again, I had mixed feelings about this because, you know. Yeah. We're still processing it, aren't we? Yeah, yes, yes. So Denzel and uh, um, McDormand, right? Yes. Um, I don't know why I've gone first name and then last name, but that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, Francis, Washington, Washington and Francis. Francis and, and Washington. Yeah. They, um, they're, so, <laughs> <laughs> they're such they're obvious s- choices. And like, but in, in, in terms of they're going to well, be. Well, 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 I'll, I'll hold up. Yeah. Denzel Washington is not an obvious choice no, for you're a right. Scottish uh, warlord. You're right. Um, however, following fences and things like this, mm. you know, you can see it. It just makes sense. Mm. And it's a, you know, they're both great. But again, on second viewing, I just didn't find myself enjoying watching them play these parts. Yeah. And I think that's a part of it, right? Is you sort of, um, you have to, you have to kind of enjoy the uh, the actor in the role. You know who I, I mean, we can get into it, but there are others that I that I did love in this. Ah, okay. But, but the two leads are sort of like, eh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it works. I think it really helps if you uh, deeply know the text and, and I'm not claiming I do. Yeah. But to to really sort of love and know the, the play and then to just to see it come to life in a certain way mm. when you don't have to think about what the plot is, you don't have to try and follow the words. Yeah. You can just say, oh, yes, this this scene that's so beloved um, and they've rendered it so mm. deliciously. Yeah. Like I think that's it's a real pleasure if you know the work. And did you get that from watching this? Were you getting that? I got it a bit, but again, I don't claim to be an expert at it, so I don't think I would have got it to the same extent that perhaps a, a Shakespeare fan, boy or girl, would have. 
But yeah. I think I got enough to get the gist that this is a really cool rendering of it. <laughs> you, you could feel it. You could feel, I could it, was feel there. it. Oh, I wish yeah. I wished I'd read the read the play again. You know, five minutes before watching, yeah. it, which I didn't get time to. Yeah, and we, ha- had I, I think I would have enjoyed it even more. Brilliant. Well, um, when we were talking about watching, doing, talking about this film, the three of us, I straight out said, "Prepare for Doc to be the one that gets it the most." <laughs> And I'm glad that you, I'm glad I'm glad because I think that's right. And you know what? I enjoyed the Shakespeare that I've that, that, that I've read, and mm. it's been a long time. I struggled. I really struggled with the language the first time around. The second time around, because because I wanted to think less about the language and just try to see what mm. the film was saying to me in in other respects. I put the subtitles on. And it was so much easier. Ah, okay. I can read it and and understand it way faster, I think, than I can hear it and understand it. Yeah, I think mm. the language is a bit of a problem for the every man or woman, particularly in this, because if you go and see Macbeth in the theatre or, no, if you go and see Shakespeare in the theatre, they'll get so bloody thespian on you. Yeah. And every line they'll assume you don't understand it so they'll act it. You know, like, you know, if they say lusty, they'll, they'll, they'll make some <laughs> they'll sexual do a little hip thrust. Move, yeah. A hip thrust. Yeah. yeah, great. So every every line <laughs> is reinforced by the action. Yeah. This one played more like a Days of Our Lives melodrama. Like sometimes you'd, <laughs> there, there were actual, actual moments when you'd see someone talking to camera yeah. with someone else, you know, across their shoulder in soft focus. Yes. Like it, it felt like um, Young yeah. and the Restless. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's great if you know what's happening. Yeah. But it, you lose all the, the physical theatre that, that is Shakespeare. So I think for, for some people maybe that means it's hard to grasp. Um, it's hard to grasp the way that the words are spoken, the combinations of the words, the words themselves, and then also how verbose it is. It really occurred to me that the way that Shakespeare was using dialogue compared to the way that we use dialogue to mm. dialogue today has changed so dramatically. And to give you an example, you've got the first scene of the film is the witches. Mm. And that's I think that would actually play fairly similar to how you might do it today in yeah. a film. You know, it has to be a bit weird. Uh, it has to be dramatic. Um, and the dialogue, the way it's presented makes sense to me. But then the second scene comes along and it's it's about this scene between Duncan the King and who's the fella that's uh, Ross. Ross. Who basically is delivering a bunch of information that- He's quite a charismatic actor, oh yeah. isn't he? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and Brendan Gleeson- oh, He's great. Is, is always incredible. And I actually think that the language came out of his mouth in the most- natural way out of all of the performers ah, in this, personally. Like I didn't notice when, that. I thought he was quite understated but like just has a has a the, exactly the right presence for, yeah. for King Duncan. Yeah, and I, I, I just think he embodied the the words better mm. than, than any of the rest of them did, personally. Uh, what an actor. Anyway, so Ross is, is there to talk to Duncan and he's basically dumping exposition. It's like... Mm. Um, Macbeth has been in a war, in a battle. Um, it was a tough battle. Didn't look like it was going to go well, but he was a real hero and and won the day. Yeah. Um, and then the the outcome of that, therefore, is great. 
he's done well, let's promote him. We'll make him Thane of Cordor. Let's promote him. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens, right? Yeah. But they take 10 minutes to say it. And like I started, I was sitting there thinking, okay, this is this scene and what this the purpose of this scene is reminds me of, early reminds mm. me of, um, reminds me of 1917. Ah, yes. You know, when you've got the when you've got basically yeah. the two guys walk into the bunker, there's yeah. a military man there, he says, here's the situation, here's what here's here's the stakes of like the whole film, actually. Yeah. He really sets it up. But it's said in such few words mm. and it's so sparse, and that's like what you expect a military man to speak like. And I was just watching this going, This this is so different. This is such a different way of going about this. That is such an interesting comment because I almost was going to reference 1917. Wow. But for the opposite reason because I think of all Shakespeare plays, Macbeth is the one that has pace and action. So I was going to I was going to suggest that you know, uh, for a Shakespeare play, yeah, it actually reminds me of 1917 because it's so bloody quick to get into things. <laughs> there you go. There Isn't you that go. weird? Well, Okay, no, but I can I, I see exactly what you're saying because I, I actually agree with you on that level it's of relative. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. And 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 also it's quite sparse in that we've gone, we're gonna drop a prophecy, we're gonna set up the situation with the king and the promotion of Macbeth. Mm. Um, and in the next scene, we're gonna see that he's um, already starting to think about what else in this prophecy might come real and he's starting to dream about being a king and that's going to kick everything off. So that is actually pretty to the point. That's pretty sparse and direct writing, which is great. Is it, I just I just can't get over the promotion of Macbeth. That language, it's yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> it's so linked in. It is so <laughs> linked in. I'll like share this on LinkedIn. <laughs> the promotion of Macbeth. So you get promoted by just you know being bloodthirsty and killing everybody. Yeah, and the other guy screwed up his job as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, he got caught giving away <laughs> secrets. <laughs> Uh, what next? We, we've mentioned Denzel. He's an interesting choice because, mm. as I alluded to, this is the Scottish play. Um, Macbeth is in some uh, histories referred to as the Red King, mm. meaning not just that he's bloody but that he's got red hair. Right. And then we've we've got an African-American guy playing him. So that's a, that's a bold choice. What did you think of his performance? I thought he did really well. It was, okay, you know we talked about Pete Cruz? <laughs> this, 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 this is Pete Denzel. This is Pete Denzel. You know, this is yeah. what you expect. Okay. And he was <laughs> fucking loving it. He, he was, was loving it. He was loving it, wasn't yeah. he? He was loving it. And that's great to see. <laughs> but you can see it. That's the thing. Isn't Den- He's one of those actors that you can tell when he's loving it. He's yeah. soaking up his Denzelness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the – it was like the, there was this big theatrical play happening and then this American – actor just thrust into it who was just authentic. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that Americanism is authentic necessarily, but he felt like just an everyman thrust into a Shakespeare play. Right. His speech wasn't Shakespearean. His accent was his own. He had this sort of heaviness and tiredness and humanity about him in amongst all the stylized uh, nonsense. So I thought, I, don't, I actually don't know what I thought about that, but I thought it was a a relevant thing to notice. Yeah, totally. Uh, and every I like man that, I comments think. good. Yeah, I think that's right. He 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 brings 
all the gravity that Denzel can bring to any scene to this. What did you think about Frances McDormand? Uh, she, I, I, I thought she was good too. You know, like I said before, both of them really solid, both amazing actors, top of their game. I just didn't, I guess the, like, I don't even know why, I just didn't really enjoy watching them in this in this film. Yeah. I would have preferred something a little more unexpected maybe or, um, you know, a face that I didn't know as well it, from so many other roles perhaps. Yeah, that's true. Like some of the other actors, like you mentioned the guy that played Ross mm. and and also um, I'm thinking Harry Melling, that sort of yes. cra- crazy face great. guy. He's got a, the best face yeah. in the business. Yeah. Um, I think we saw him in, what was it, uh, where he was the crazy preacher. Crazy uh, the preacher. devil all oh, the time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we love that film, but, but yeah. he, he has, a, has a presence. He's incredible. But it's these sort of lesser known people that really spark interest. Yep. It's hard to watch Denzel or Francis without seeing them. That's exactly the thing. Yeah. Like I could have been watching Nomadland, yeah. you know. Well, but- maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe not Nomadland. That's an extreme, an extreme example. But you know what I mean? Like she's yeah. sort of, she's sort of still Frances McDormand now, you know, like you've seen her and Denzel has the same issue. Yeah. You've seen him do so many roles with this level of gravity and he, he does it in a certain way. Yeah. Speaking of a certain way, I think with, with Francis, there's Francis, you know, because we go yeah. way back. Yeah, uh, there was a scene that really showed me just how much scope for interpretation there is in all this Shakespeare nonsense. Mm. So in the in the text, there's a line where she says, "All it says is o o o." I've forgotten where it comes, but it's where she's um, really reacting to something quite. Emotionally, mm, okay. so that's all it says. Oh, oh, oh! And yet, in the scene, like it's this minute-long sighs and actor, yeah. actorly, you know, um, expression of it. Yeah, which you know you can interpret oh, oh, oh in so many ways, but they they made it a moment for her. Yeah, which I think just for me is why they just keep on coming back to this Shakespeare nonsense, you know, because you can do with it what you will. So I have a question for you. Yes. Last week, last episode, you said Charles Dickens is the, good. is the greatest storyteller ever. Or mm. ever? He's one of the greatest storytellers. I, I, I don't want to I miss throw, I throw away these it was lines a ripper. pretty. Now, Charles Dickens, Shakespeare. Um, Who wins? <laughs> depends what you're looking at. But probably for, for storytelling... And for cinema, I think Dickens. Yeah. With Shakespeare, I think it's so open. Like it's just these these words on the page. And like I said, so open to interpretation that it's it's rich to mine. Mm. Whereas Dickens actually does all the work himself. Like he, in the words he puts on the page, just describes perfectly, you know, what the characters are. Whereas Shakespeare as a as a critic or as a student of it is fun. But yeah, Dickens is cinematic just in his bones i agree with that i am not that i you know am a expert on any of this but that feels right <laughs> not, to me. not claiming to be <laughs> okay so we haven't talked about one actor yet though oh who Catherine hunter who plays the witches ah wow what what a choice i i i don't know i don't really 
do you know Catherine Hunter's work from anywhere else or no I believe I, she's I believe she's versatile I think she's a stagey sort of yeah. person isn't she I, I have no idea I haven't seen her anywhere else before that I know of but in this mm. like I just think she's she's got to be one of the top things of this of things about this film like that mm. performance is just two things I mean two things one it's Joel Cohen's amazing direction of what that role should be yeah clever like yeah. super clever but then the way she pulls it off is insanely good like you can't imagine that done any better than that yeah like completely. if you're going to get someone whose body is going to contort like a crow and have a voice that sounds like a crow and <laughs> and eyes that just feel like deep wells yeah. and a face that's just wrinkled and charactered and beautiful in every possible way. Like she's just, she does it all. It's great. Yeah. I could, I could listen to your summary over and over there. That was perfect. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> what what about her? Like there's, there's so much to say. Like just the the choice to condense those three sisters into that one incredible actor mm. is is genius because yep. I've always been a bit embarrassed by that, what do they say, double, double toil and trouble. Double, double, yeah. Toil and trouble or, toil and or trouble, something. Bubble and something. Like that that yeah. embarrasses me a little bit. I, I can't. It's, yeah. it's gone into. It's a little bit kids rhymey, isn't it? Kids rhymey, popular yeah. culture too much. Mm. Um, so the, the, the idea of those three witches I'm just not keen on. I have to sort of gloss over that in the play. Interesting, uh, yeah. But to see it done so uniquely was really great, and and the physicality of her. But initially, when I when mm. I saw her, I just thought, okay, they've roped in some. What do you call them? Those people that just get, um, yeah, like some sort of dancer, the contortionist or something. Contortionist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just a contortionist, but yeah. the fact that she's a legit bloody actor and can also Freaking do all nailing that it. physical yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because because that's acting too. <laughs> you know, it's not just the voice. Oh, yeah. It's your whole body and she she was just brilliant. Her, her study of, of like how a crow moves and the way it sounds and mm. just the whole the whole mannerism yeah. aspect of it is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get back to crows, I reckon. Well, okay. We, we've talked briefly about cinematography have we we mentioned the look of it i think i mentioned the look of it slightly but well, the look of it's beautiful isn't it surely that's, that for me so we've got we've got the we've got the witches yeah, yeah that's a high point for me the cinematography and the set design if you put those two things yeah. together or production design is really what it is what you have is for me just like that's the pinnacle of this film like the, of the things that is great it's the those yeah. two things together it's just so beautiful yeah, delicious. Yeah. And it's got this whole kind of like geometric design element going to it. So true. I was thinking of an Escher painting. Like it, it yes. feels as though it, it happened in an in an Escher painting. Yep. Yep. So I wrote down Escher and then the other thing was this game called Monument Valley, <laughs> which if you're a You're mobile, in your bloody um, games. We, I know. You, well, Monument Valley is actually based off of Escher's designs, uh, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. But it's just if you're a mobile phone game player, it was mm. one of those things that just went really well for a little while there. Yeah. It's a little puzzle game. But what it what this film has is it's got that similar thing of the shapes with positive and negative uh, like kind of areas or mm. planes where you can kind of see full light, black, black shadow, lots of geometric patterns and... And just like the framing of that mm. is so meticulous, um, it's beautiful. Like you just you know, and and it's black and white, which you know 
I don't think I've seen black and white that, that's this dramatic for a very, mm. very long time. It's yeah, great. it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I can't really comment on on mobile phone games other than Ang- <laughs> Angry Birds is probably the last one I played. Yeah. And it reminded me of Angry Birds. Well, I'd suggest it probably did because there were a lot of Angry Birds. And again, yeah. let's get back to the birds later. <laughs> what else? There, there was something that really connected with me was the in in Macbeth there's the whole madness conversation because mm-hmm. Macbeth goes mad and then Lady Macbeth essentially goes mad. So the madness is a, is a theme. Yes. And how you portray that madness is a, is a real decision for the, the filmmaker or the director or whoever. Mm. Uh, and I really loved how that was done here because for Macbeth, the, the supernatural stuff was always ambiguous. You know, when he um, says, is this a dagger before me? So we're seeing a vision of a dagger, but it's really the door handle. Yeah. And clever. then he sees a vision of Banquo, but you, you, you see that, it, you know, it may or may not be Banquo who, who he's seen. Yeah. And then, and then Banquo becomes a bird who he's, who he's fighting. And then he, um, he has a session with the weird sister or the witch and he's drugged just beforehand. So that's kind of explains that. So there's every time there's some supernatural element, there's some physical real world explanation. Yeah. So it, it makes his madness a bit sort of, Unique. It's clever. Yeah, you're right. And so the the way the crows play into it, um, the way that the building itself and the shadows and the light play into it, and then just people coming and going is really interesting. Like just clever filmmaking in terms of like how can we work on the physical elements that are here um, to make something that's otherwise just a lot of talking in rooms come to life. Mm. And that's something that I thought was that, I thought, you know, Joel Cohen did a really great job of is that he must have been aware on some level that this is a bunch of people just talking, right? And mm. that he's probably seen other films like the one, one that I was reminded of with Denzel Washington in it, which is a straight player adaptation. Fences, have you seen that? No. It's a, uh, August Williams. Is it August Williams? Let me see. I wrote it down here. Anyway. Yeah, August Wilson play directed by Denzel. And it's it's an interesting one because, you know, you've got that same sort of Denzel loving the hell out of the words <laughs> and 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 just delivering like killer performances, but shot like like you've almost just shooting video of a play. Like it's mm. not very cinematic at all. And you've become very aware that what you're basically doing is turning a stage play into a film and it's just not quite translating. Whereas this, Joel Cohen's just gone like, how many visual extravaganzas can I throw at this thing mm. to make it feel cinematic beyond what the play would otherwise be, I think. Yeah, agree. I, I thought Denzel's words were like, sometimes he was mumbling them and mm. whispering them. So they were almost irrelevant. Yeah. And it was just this, um, yeah, what, what was, what term did you use before? It was a, was a great word. It was Peak like Denzel. one thing upon another. Oh, stacking. Stacking. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. Was, it was stacking of visuals and, and all this stylistic stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, more than the words. It was his face more than the words that was doing the storytelling. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's Joel Cohen being aware of, of the limitations of bringing something that's very stage-related mm. uh, or driven over to cinema. Yeah. yeah. And like what else you have to bring to it. 
this is a pet project for him, I think. And mm. obviously he's um, divorced from his brother. Yes. And and this is like him. It must must be different, mustn't it? Like when you're working with a partner. Yep. And for 18 films. 18 films and great films. Great films. Yeah. And making and a real name of yourselves as like masters of the craft together. I know. And, yep. But in order to do that, you need to find the common ground between you. Right. And there's a there's a real family resemblance between the Cohen brothers films, isn't there? So yeah. so it's it's just interesting to see then when you just take one of them what they can produce and what they've then perhaps inputted into the stuff that they've done together. Yeah, you're right. Now you kind of need to see Ethan Cohen make a film just to yeah. see what that would be like. That's probably some slapstick, you know. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle <laughs> of the two. Well, no, not in the middle. It's probably the, other, the far opposite. Oh, yeah, he would be. But when the two come together, that's yeah. you get, you get Cohen Brothers. Then you brothers. get, oh, brother, we're out there. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's them, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, talking about them recently experimenting, and I feel like this, mm. like you say, this is a bit of a passion project, but an experiment also, mm. um, Buster Scruggs on... Oh, Is yes. it Buster Scruggs? Yeah, I'm halfway through that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot because it's basically a, a yeah. an anthology film of short films. That's right. Yeah, and Tom Waits is in it, isn't he? Yes, a couple of them are bangers, really good. Yeah, a couple of them I could have, I don't know, they were still interesting, mm. but I could have, you know, passed on. But that feels like an experiment as well. Yeah, it seems like the Coen Brothers maybe are at a point in their career where they're like, "What comes next? What else can we do?" Well, I heard that that. Ethan, it's the other one, yeah? Yeah, Ethan. I heard that he's retiring and maybe Joel's, you know, on oh, his shit. own. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about Ethan Cohen. You're going you're gonna to morph into that reminds me of. Well, I've sort of been doing reminds me of the whole way through, but, um, but we're going to add some more. Yes, but before then, before that would have been a great segue. Yeah, uh, we'll do it later. We'll do it later. He, Ethan Cohen wrote a review. Ah, oh, yes, you mentioned this. Yeah. Yes. About this film. And it's called Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth, reviewed, re reviewed by Ethan Cohen, subtitle, More Like McBleach. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. The whole review is him just taking the piss and yeah. it's, it's funny. I'll read you a couple sections of it just, Please. just for kicks. Some of my favorite bits. In the tragedy of Macbeth, longtime Hollywood presence, Cole jo uh, Joel Cohen, who <laughs> Pre is- Presence. Yeah. That, that's, that's biting, isn't it? <laughs> who has 18 prior <laughs> films to his credit, takes sole creative control of a project for the first time. The result, <laughs> not unlike the tale of Macbeth itself, is a tragedy of epic proportions. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. here's, here's, a, here's another one for you. In a move that would get you kicked out of Film 101 at the DeVry Institute of <laughs> Mediocrity, Mr. Cohen renders the bard's tale in black and white using a 4 by 3 aspect ratio as if that alone makes you Akira fucking Karakurasawa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. He's great. I um, wanted to, you know, um, Kurosawa did a version of Macbeth? Uh No. Yeah, it's called Thrones of Blood. Well, there you go. Um, he, he, he's done a version of King Lear as well, hasn't he? Yeah, called um, Ran. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen either of them. I would have <laughs> liked to before before the podcast, but I'm yeah. sure they're good. Next time. Next, Next time. time. Last one. Yeah. One would think that Frances McDormand might deliver the performance of a lifetime, considering that she, much like Lady Macbeth, is married to a deceitful loser who can only <laughs> get ahead by cheating. 
in brackets, Joel Cohen. And yet McDormand is far whoa, from whoa, her best. S- stop. Yeah. Who's McDormand married to? To Joel Cohen. I didn't know this. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. Wow. It's that's great. amazing. Anyway, it goes on and on. It's fun. You can look it up. That was a great moment we just had, which reminds me <laughs> of the segment that we trialed yeah. last episode. Oh, yes. Let's Remember do this it. one? Yeah. Yeah. And the segment was called A Moment with Maestro. So for those of us who are watching for the first time, uh, Maestro is behind the scenes here. Um, <laughs> I love he, that you're suddenly talking to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking the fourth wall. You are, you are. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Is that the only thing that Joel Cohen didn't do in this film? No. Oh, no. He, did, he did break the fourth he wall. Did. I can um, remember it now. You're right. I yep. think he broke the fourth wall. Ooh, I was trying to work out if he did. Harry Melling. Is Harry? Yeah. I reckon he broke the fourth, fourth wall. <laughs> Either that or you sort of getting all cross-eyed on us. He, he kind of looked almost to the camera and just to the side and I'm thinking, is, is he is he talking to me? Yeah, I actually think there is a moment where Denzel barrels really? the lens, I'm pretty sure. I love a barrel. Yeah. Like it's probably my my favourite <laughs> thing in film when it, when it barrels, especially if it's not overused and you get like three quarters of the way in and it hasn't been used. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you get a barrel. Yeah. Love it. Punches you in the chest. It does. It really. <laughs> no, punches me in the heart. In the heart. <laughs> anyway, right. so our much beloved segment, A Moment with Maestro. I think oh, we're ready for that. I'm, I don't know if I'm ready, but <laughs> there's no choice now. Um, Maestro, are you there? I haven't heard much from you this episode. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I've been quite silent on this one. <laughs> because uh, I have to admit my ignorance. I don't know anything about Shakespeare. Oh no! Well, uh, well, the context is that you're you're Italian, so you're you've got the divine comedy and those sorts of things. Yeah, no, but also I barely studied Italian literature, so (laughs) imagine the English one. (laughs) Probably, but you're not to be. That aside, we need to know what is the moment. Cinematically, what was the moment? Hmm. Uh, The uh, the crows. Oh, the crows. The crows. Yeah, more than cinema. I want to add also the audio is spectacular. Um, mm. The the sound design was pretty pretty good. Lovely. Uh, uh, in general, I struggle, of course, to uh, try to understand the dialogue. It's it's very difficult English for for someone. Like <laughs> it was me. difficult so, for me. I, yeah, I yeah, can understand. So. Yeah, Maestro, I, I don't think you yeah. you're missing much there because I think it's difficult for anybody, mm-hmm. and I think anyone would be um, the storytelling comes out and the visuals more than the the language. Yeah. yeah, there was a moment with Francis that I think I didn't I wasn't really sure if they were taking a piece <laughs> on uh, on Shakespeare. <laughs> Or, or or something. I imagine because again, <laughs> like you explained before, you cannot not see Francis in uh, Washington. Yeah, like Denzel. You yeah, not yeah. detached from them, and and that's a big thing for an actor. I mean, you you know that is this actor, but you want don't want to see him. You want to see what he's playing. How can I explain? It's like uh, they study acting and they uh, <laughs> were uh, putting everything they learned at the first class of acting 
Oh, that is so. Yeah, such a good comment. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Would well, it felt like that sometimes, didn't it? Like uh, I mentioned the scene where the text says O O O. Yeah. And Francis McDormand, you know, turns that <laughs> into some uh, masterclass. Yeah. Of how to interpret it. Um, but it didn't feel it didn't feel a masterclass to me. It feels like an overacting. Yeah. Mm. Year twelve drama. Yeah. I think well, I think Ethan Cohen's review says something similar. <laughs> probably does. <laughs> I really love the Maestro's comment about the sound design though. I think that was yeah. that was um that was a good one. Uh, I can't remember uh, specifics on on you know moments to to mention, but other than the sound design was quite in in your face as well as the cin- cinematography was a um a plus. Also completely constructed because the whole thing just is shot on on sound stages. They're all sets. Mm. They're all really kind of strange, cold geometric sets as well. So they can oh. build it from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. I, I mm. love that though. Like, I liked it too. Yeah, yeah. It, I thought it was. I thought it was amazing. Actually, it reminded me. This is not an official part. I'm not officially saying this is one of the films that reminded me of, mm. but it kind of reminded me of films like Dogville. I've forgotten who directed it. Someone pretty cool. But where where it's very um, not in this world, like it's on a stage. Um, yeah. It's outside of It's 100% reality. that. Yeah. 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 This whole thing was so built and designed. Built and designed. That's what yeah. I meant to say. Yeah. yeah. It feels that way, right? Mm. Sorry. Oh, Lars, Lars It was, okay. yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I like a bit of Lars. Yeah. He gets a bit crazy sometimes. He does get a bit crazy. But, but yeah, no, it's generally he's all sometimes. Right. You get, well, oh, yeah, <laughs> but it's sort of unusual. you yeah. got you got to be into it, He's got a you? kink, right? Yeah. yeah you got to be kinky yeah. to, to get into the last one. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to talk about any other Reminds Me Ofs? I think we should talk about Reminds Me Ofs. I, yeah. I think there's a billion things it could remind you well, of. Well, that's the problem. It's Shakespeare, right? So yeah. it's been around forever. Everything comes from it, <laughs> you know? It and does. So where do you start? Well, I think we start on a film that I, I'm sorry, I glanced at your notes mm. and we don't always have notes, but you no. wrote notes today, which I'm very impressed about. I printed my notes. You printed notes. Printed them. Two pages. <laughs> I I scribbled I scribbled five seconds before we, well, we got good. here. But we both got notes and, yeah, I noticed that there was a film there that I also had on my list and that was The Lighthouse. Mm. So when this film opened and we... <laughs> Immediately we were in four three black and white. Yes. I thought of you. Yes. And I thought, what's he gonna think of this crap? Yeah. So before I say anything, I'd like to know what you thought of <laughs> you thought yeah. of the four three black and white and the lighthouse. Mm. Proceed. Well, I, I, I wrote down the lighthouse for that very reason. Four three black and white. And did you write Recent. it down within the thirty first thirty seconds? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh because I couldn't help but think about it just the way you did. Mm. And I think the first thought that was a cynical one, it was, mm. uh, if your story is in ye old English, must <laughs> you shoot it in ye old <laughs> black and white four by three? That was my first thought. I reckon black and white four four by three is is well after ye old I know. era. <laughs> I know. That's how people interpret it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, cynical at first. I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah. However, I forgave it just like I did with The Lighthouse mm. because you get swept up in it and it's beautiful still. 
Yeah. And this in particular is some of the most striking black and white footage that I've seen for a while. So yeah. I gave, I was like, fine, do it. Do whatever you want, Ethan. I mean, Joel. <laughs> do whatever you want. Go on. Go on. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a, you know, not just not just a okay choice. I think it was a right choice. Why would why do you think it's the right choice? I'm curious. I just want to know what Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think because everything about it was um constrained and feeling like it's in a on a set, mm. feeling like it's not in the the real world. Yeah. Um so four three uh, sorry, sixteen nine or whatever the bloody yeah. widescreen version is these days, feels like you're entering the actual real world, surrounded by planes and actual life. Whereas this is like you're in a in a box, uh, yeah. And that's how the film felt, and it was again stylized, contrived in a way. And I think four three plays into that. I think it does. I just. You know what? Like I've seen, we've seen a bunch of four by three films. We have in this Justice show, League. and I've liked them all. And Justice you- League, perfect example. Yes. Recently, I've liked all the films generally. Yeah, but I've always felt like the four by three in particular is just a a nonsense choice. I know you have, and I don't know how to get past that. I can't get past it because I just don't see. I just can't see why you wouldn't want mm, more just of to that. See more, more of that beautifulness. Fill the yeah. frame. We've got it. We've got the frame. Everybody's watching the frame. Why don't we just fill it? But if you're looking for claustrophobia, yeah, and looking yeah. for something specific, I don't like it as a, just an art choice. Yeah, uh, but I think the ones we've seen, and there have been a few, you've always said, yeah, great film, but I wish it wasn't four by three. Yeah, and I think from memory, I've, I've usually said, yeah, I don't mind four by three. Yeah, so I I, I like the choice. And I think for this one, it worked particularly well. Yeah, it's a tough one. I Bla- find it hard to concede. Well, well, there's four by three, and there's also black and white. So they're mm. two very clear choices. And yeah, oh, the black and white is motivated and feels like does. it's the best fucking black and white I've seen for ages. You know what I mean? Yeah. The four by three, I could just I could do without. The black and white, I really liked for Macbeth because mm. colors are important in Macbeth. Yeah, and it's 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 often considered like a a black, white, and red play. Mm. Just as our but there was a bit of red. changes to red. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I think that was a little bit, a, bit, a little bit of red. Oh, you can was see there? a bit in there in the I think red. In looking at the, there was a slightly warm black uh, and white. Nice, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's meant. To, it, it's like a, you know, black is most of the play is meant to be at night, and white signifies like lightning strikes and you know. Things like that, yeah. And then red is clearly the blood that they're trying to wash up their hands, yeah. So it's a it's commonly considered a black, white, and red play. So black and white is a perfect choice. Mm. I was thinking that maybe they're going to do something silly, like have the blood, you know, actually pop as red. I'm glad they didn't do like that. a Sin City no. type deal. Yeah. So yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. Anyway, that's the lighthouse. I had I had another one for you. Yep. Um. So. I mentioned earlier just like where we've come since Shakespeare, the way we go about things. Yeah. Well, I started thinking what comes before Shakespeare and, you know, what kind of leads into this sort of storytelling. Wow. And and the reason I thought about it is that recently I've been reading a bit of Celtic 
and mm-hmm. Nord, Norse myth, mythology. And in particular, there's a Irish equivalent of a of an uh, poetic edda, but it's just like a story, right? Yep. And it's about it's it's called the Tain, and or the something. I, <laughs> I always call it the Tain, but that's probably not at all how it's pronounced, right? Well, look. I don't think this show would be anything <laughs> if not for mispronunciation. You're correct. It's probably like the 10. The anyway, 10. Anyway, so um, I've been reading that yeah. and really enjoying it. But what I've noticed across all of these stories is you have you have heroes that are epic in battle. They have great powers in battle, basically. But they're, they're foiled by either women or prophecies gone wrong that they sort of for whatever reason they go after them or they're tricked by them. Mm. And, and so you, you have to sort of the rise and fall of great heroes. And it just made me think like you can draw a line through basically those stories to this to, and then to another reminds me of, which is game of Thrones. Like you can kind of, ah. it just sort of feels like that's the progression of these sorts of stories. And, and maybe you could say the same thing with Marvel heroes and so on as well. Talk to me. Talk to me about Game of Thrones. Um, it's the politics. I think it's mm. the deceit, the politics, the will to power gone wrong. Yeah, and and also a dash of magic, like the fantasies is is in this as 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 well in in Macbeth. So that's a that's a wonderful reference. I love it. Yeah, you can see you can see Macbeth all through mm. Game of Thrones. Yeah, totally. Kings and wanting to be kings and killing off kings. Yep, and queens. Speaking of queens, you alluded to the manipulative women or something like that, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah, like um, within, yeah, those, those old those old stories of heroes, quite often it's a woman that's their downfall. Yes, that, yeah. That, yeah, that's what I'm, yeah. that's what I was grasping at. Yeah. This is not me saying that women are manipulative, <laughs> but it, it's, yeah. it's, it's me remembering our last episode, which was about Uncharted, Mm. And I, oh, al- yeah. I also mentioned Zombieland, yep. where where you've got the male heroes, and then these chicks in the in the background that are just manipulative and trying to, you know, get the guys to do the wrong thing and and that sort of stuff. So so Macbeth slash Lady Macbeth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not condoning this stuff, but it's a bit of a trope in. It's a timeless theme. It's a timeless theme yep. where. Us blokes um, do bad things and then claim that it's it's uh, Eve that made us do it. Back to Eve, Adam and Eve. It is. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. We, we like Macbeth initially. We think he's a good guy, but he's encouraged by his wife yeah. to do evil things. I find it interesting. There's a, there's a, and this is probably much better interpreted, you know, through the original text, but like, Watching this, you just get a real sense of the power of that prophecy. Mm. It's almost like telling somebody that they're a natural born leader and this thing is going to happen for them because yep. they're just they're, they're heading that way. And then it becomes such a reality to them in their mind that they're willing to then do all kinds of evil to get there. Yeah, It's like entitlement through and through um, once they've decided that that's theirs and it's just it's interesting that someone can suggest somebody that they've just met off the street mm. can suggest you're about to become the king it's going to happen yeah and they're like wow yeah better um, start killing people better actually make this prophecy come true by doing all sorts of evil shit to make it happen yeah isn't that crazy 
Well, it's not just crazy. It, it leads perfectly into my next. Oh, um, great, great. My next reference. Awesome. And that is another film that we've recently reviewed, which I think it's I think it's cool to to hark back to previous episodes. I think so, absolutely. Um, and that's Dune. Yes, I can see you trying to trying to work this out. In Dune, the there's a prophecy uh, that the what's his name the 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 star of the the Kyle MacLachlan character that. <laughs> That um, is the hero. Anyway, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, Chalamet. Yeah. Um, there's a prophecy that he will be the chosen one. He's the yeah, Christ. Figure. That's right. That's right. And and there he's he's living his life, just this boy living his life in the shadow of this prophecy of what he will become. And if he didn't catch wind of that prophecy early mm. on, would his choices be totally different after that? Well, well, well. Who knows? But yeah. the, I think the interesting thing for Macbeth is that. He does catch wind yeah. of it. So Macbeth is is um, told that he's going to be this the, the king. Yeah, and then he's got to work out what to do with that. Yeah. and he chooses to to make sure it happens. You know, thanks to his wife. Yeah, and and that's it's a bit similar to to Dune, I think, where where he's he sees the the future mapped out, and he's traveling a path, making decisions, but knowing kind of knowing where he's going to end up. Yeah. So, yeah, June was one for me. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's a great call. It made me think, though, that there's probably so many other prophecy-type films. I was, I was racking so my many. brains to think of other ones where, um, where the lead character is knowing that they're going to be great and yeah. having to do awful things in order to get there. Well, Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. There you go. Well, you know, you're making me think of Joseph Campbell and anyway, this whole thing, right? Well, it's very Joseph. Yeah. And the sort of timeless hero's journey ideas, mm. which are all through Star Wars. Like that's that's what Star Wars is basically built on. Yeah. Th those themes uh, play over and over again. Seeing a story like Macbeth brought into a film mm. setting and we can look at it now is interesting because it is the storytelling is is a little different. It's it focuses more on the dialogue and mm. and the characters in a sort of verbose, over the top kind of <laughs> yeah. way, in a way that I think somehow the plot seems to be a little simpler to look at. Well, there's not much to the plot. Yeah, I actually um, listened to a podcast recently about Macbeth the play, mm. and they summarise the plot in two minutes, and it's like there's yeah you know, half a dozen. Yeah, things to note. Nothing ha really happens, but that's what makes it so adaptable, right? I guess compared to other Shakespeare plays, that you know you can you can really easily do it, and it's a super tight plot. It's a great plot, very tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Did, the problem is that when uh, you convert a play to movie, the timing it's really defining. Um, keeping the timing of the play in a movie, it, it is really difficult. Mm. And, and this is why I think this this movie looks really slow compared to what we used to see in cinematography mm. in movies. They're very quick, fast, and things happen, etc. So the, the timing, they kept the timing of the play and that plays a big role in this, the way this, this movie looks, basically. A second thing that I found a bit annoying, I have to be honest, 
it's just that they shout like yeah. they are in in a theater doing the play hmm. they talk loud but you don't need to talk loud you got the microphone this is a movie <laughs> so why are you acting like you in this way so loud but that's the play it, yeah. it felt very much like a play didn't that sell yeah it is yeah. it is and that that's where i question sometimes a play become a movie most of the time to me it doesn't work because the timing it's completely different yeah. it worked the, the only times i saw it worked was with the father the father oh I yeah it's a play was but that a play i think so i think yeah. i think he's but right yeah is. but yeah. it works as a movie and it's mm. fantastically done but this one coming back in the play becoming a movie it's hard it's funny because I, I I think we said this before. I think Macbeth is a fast paced paced play anyway. Yeah. And in order to make it a film version, like there's a lot. It's abridged. Like there's a lot that they cut out in order to keep the pace up. Yeah. So to think that it's still, you know, considered a bit slow. Um, yeah. It d- depends on what you're coming into it with. Yep. Yeah. Because I thought it was quite fast paced, and I thought they were, you know skipping over stuff legitimately and well without knowing the text so well i didn't didn't know that that they were skipping over things and it i think i was just taking it kind of as a as a film particularly yeah. on the second viewing i Definitely. think maestro was too yeah absolutely i haven't got anything else to really add i think uh everything else i've said while we've gone through talking about it anything else for you i had the birds by hitchcock oh okay so i think the crows yeah, yeah. From from the very outset, you're confronted with this imagery of birds everywhere. Mm. It's as if, you know, it's a film about birds. Yeah. But it's not. It's a film about a Scottish warlord <laughs> um, who becomes king. Yeah. Um, but, yes, birds, birds play a, a really important role in, A, the play, and, and B, it's really capitalised on in the film. For example, when he thinks he sees Banquo after Banquo has died and then he's struggling with a with a with a bird. Yeah. But that that feels like um feels like the birds when what's what's his name? Hitchcock. Yeah. Hitchcock, no, no, the actor. Rod Rod Taylor is the actor. Yeah, is is fighting against oh, birds. Oh yes, in, yeah. In, in that. And and also like the the bird imagery in the play. Do you know the 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 expression one fell swoop? Mm-hmm. So that comes from this this play really people stuff up one fell swoop in 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 english all the time but in the shakespearean sense it means like a a hunting bird like a vulture or something um coming down and right and taking take, out its prey taking out the, the the prey which in this case is i think macduff's family mm-hmm. in one vicious swoop yeah great and and if you look through it there's bird imagery all through the text and to see it visually is great and Brilliant. it reminded me of the birds. And it's all through. If you look at it, it's a start at the finish. Oh, the end The end shot with the, with yes. all the, the, yeah, the yeah. birds is crazy. You mentioned One Fell Swoop and I was watching Horrible Histories, the kid show with, with, with my daughters. And they I'm were not talk- familiar with that one. You haven't seen that? No. It's great. It's wonderful. You should see it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do an episode on it. Yeah, we would. why not? Horrible why not? Histories. It's fantastic. Sometimes they do the tour as well. 
<laughs> what was that? Yeah, they they do the tour as well. They they oh they tour. They tour wow. Well. <laughs> well, there you go. They're like Maybe, the they might be coming to COVID. A, might yeah. be coming to a town near us. Wowzers. Uh, anyway, they mentioned in a recent episode that I saw with the girls that Shakespeare had made up over a, a thousand words or created a thousand yeah. words. Yeah. So and and plus then there's a number of sayings that we have from him. That's nuts. Yeah, I, I actually meant to have a list of all the words. Or, or expressions that came from Macbeth. I didn't bother, but one fell swoop is a is a big one. That's, That's a big one. Wowzers. Yeah. Can you imagine just having the goal to make up words? Just be like, I think I need a new word here. Well, I think we all do though, <laughs> don't we? Like do we? You know, in a way, like if you it's think like an urban your, dictionary. It's urban dictionary. Right. Yeah. Shakespeare is 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 urban dictionary of his day. And and in friendship groups and stuff, you just make up. That's Not, true. Nonsense words amongst each other. So I think that's all Shakespeare was doing. He's, you know, he's a genius, but he's not a genius that you can't tap into. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, anything else? No, I really enjoy this one. I'm so glad we, we went into Shakespeare. I now feel like I've explored the <laughs> academic version yes. version of this podcast and maybe next time we can... Go back to Michael Bay or something. Frivolous. I think we definitely have to. Mm. I think, well, we went from Uncharted uncharted to this. I've been calling this thing Uncharted this whole time. I've wanted like to you, talk to you about this. Because I keep typing Uncharted every time I put it in because that feels right. I really honestly meant to Google Uncharted versus Uncharted. Well, it bothered me because I ended up t- having to go back into everything that we posted and change it back to... Uncharted. Oh, so you actually thought it was uncharted? I did. I just sort time. of just assumed that's what it was. No, no, I, I knew, and I just yeah, was struggling. But felt with wrong it. about it. Felt wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel very wrong about ending this podcast because I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. I uh, Last thing I wanted to say is, while I was a bit down on some of the aspects of this film, I think this film should win the Oscar for cinematography mm. and for production design. Yeah, I don't. That's see my how, call. I don't see how it can't. It has to, it's, right? it's not nominated for best picture, is it? Mm, don't think so. Yeah, mm. um, which is probably also fair, but it, yeah, for the for the places where it shines, yep. such as those things, yeah, um, it should win. I agree. And we've been right before. We have. So let's let's assume that we're right again, and we'll we'll, we'll come back after the Oscars. Let's and see, see what happens. See if we were absolutely all right. I Maestro, love this one. Doc. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>